Awesome. Well, good morning, Life Church. Good morning. It's great to see you here this morning. It's great to be with you today. And a special warm welcome to those of you who might be new with us, those of you who are visiting, or if you've only been with us a short while, we're so pleased that you could be with us today. And of course, a warm welcome to those of you joining us online. Isn't it always a privilege to worship God together? And this morning, to start right into it, I want to read to you a, a passage that's been sitting with me for a few months now. And Dave actually alluded to it last week, but I'm going to expand on it a little bit more today. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 19 through, the 20, through to 22. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. And skipping down a verse, so on the day of battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. In this setting, Israel was under occupation from the Philistines. The Philistines had taken over, had subjugated the people. They were rulers in the land. And so King Saul is going out to battle with his son Jonathan to fight them off and to reclaim the land for his kingdom. But the Philistines had shut down the Israelite blacksmith so that no weapons could be made. And if you can't make any weapons, you can imagine that's a severe disadvantage for your army. The Israelites couldn't make any new weapons. And in order to get their current weapons and their daily tools sharpened, they would need to take them to a Philistine blacksmith and actually pay them to have their weapons sharpened. And as you can imagine, I'm sure that gives you a great sense of military confidence, knowing that all of your weapons and tools have been tampered by your enemy. And so notice what happens in verse 22. So on the day of battle... None of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. No one in the army had a proper weapon. They were all armed with counterfeit weapons, plows, pitchforks, axes, sickles, whatever they could grab. If the enemy can shut down the blacksmith, then the army is only able to be armed with counterfeit weapons. And as I read this a few months ago, I had a prompting in my spirit that this is exactly what our enemy tries to do to the church. This is exactly what he tries to do in our lives. He tries to shut down the blacksmith and offer us an alternative. So that when we need weapons, when we need tools, we don't go to God, we don't go to prayer, we don't go to his word, we don't go to church, instead we go to an alternative. We go to a Philistine blacksmith and we take what the enemy is offering. And the enemy will try to sell you all kinds of options that are counterfeits to what God has given us access to. Can I I ask the room this morning, can I get a show of hands for anyone who's ever tried to accomplish a task with inadequate tools? Like anyone who's had the frustration of trying to achieve something, knowing you've got the wrong tools, you know, trying to hammer a nail with like a large book or the classic, trying to, 
you have to use, when you have to use a butter knife instead of a flathead screwdriver because you don't have any around, you know the feeling, it's frustrating and it's ineffective. And I have a, a, a vivid memory of this feeling that's been scarred into my brain uh, from a time that we as a family went to Hamner Springs. So we, we were doing a day trip, just a day trip there and back in the day, and so we got up early in the morning, and so I packed my bags in the morning while I was half asleep, and we loaded our bags into the car, and we drove up to Hamden. We had a great day there. The sun was shining. It was a wonderful time. We went mini-golfing. It was a lot of fun. And then the time came to get into the pools. And we got into the pools, and it was fine. We went through, and we had a wonderful family time in the water, and then... I went to get out of the pools. And this is where I realized I had brought inadequate tools. As I go into the changing room and I, and I find my corner as you do, and I go to pull out my towel, which was packed exactly how it was from the linen cupboard. I just grabbed it from the linen cupboard and put it straight into my bag. And so as I went to unravel my towel, I realized I had in fact not packed a towel but rather what I had packed was two hand towels that had been rolled together to look bigger than they were in the linen cupboard. And so I'm standing in the changing rooms, dripping wet, cold, with nothing but my shame and two small pieces of cloth that I have to try and sort myself out with. I pray that you never experience the shame of having to try and get yourself sorted like that. So I had brought inadequate tools. In fact, you could say I had counterfeit tools. I felt deceived. These things looked like a towel, but they were not. They were counterfeit. And a counterfeit is something that mimics the original, but proves far less effective in reality. And so here with me today, I have two props to help illustrate this. The first I have is this sword. All right, this is a real weapon. You know, this is a real weapon. It's heavy, it's solid, it's sturdy, it's powerful, it's sharp. Well, it's actually not sharp, but when it's sharpened, it would be sharp. It takes work to learn how to use. It takes discipline to know how to wield it well. But I know that in battle, this is an effective weapon. This is an effective weapon. But then I also have this. I've got a lightsaber. Now this is also a sword, right? But this is a cool sword, right? This is a cool sword. This looks cool. This feels cool. You can hear it. It even sounds cool. You know, and this is the kind of thing I would love to see. I'd love you to see me wielding this. You know, this is a popular option. But at the end of the day, this is a counterfeit. It's not going to be as effective in the battle. If I know I'm going up against an enemy that is well-trained, well-armored, if I turn up with my plastic sword, I am in real trouble because this is a counterfeit. And we've been talking over the last few weeks about getting ready for battle, about getting ready to stand our ground, to stand firm. You remember that Cal mentioned the church isn't a cheerleading squad, it is an army. And what I feel in my spirit that God is doing through this season is He is reigniting the blacksmith. 
He is reigniting his church, reigniting us so that we can be equipped with the right weapons, the right tools we need for the fight that is ahead. And now it's important to remember that our fight isn't against other people. Our fight isn't even necessarily against the world. God loves this world. He made this world. He has a plan for this world and the people in it. Our fight isn't against people. We aren't fighting the world. We are fighting our true enemy that is the devil. And we are pushing back his schemes, pushing back his plans that would keep this world and its people in darkness. 2 Corinthians 10 verses three to five says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Notice what the passage says the purpose of our fight is. We destroy every obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. That is our fight. That is what we fight for. This is who we fight for. We fight for people to know who Jesus is and what he has done for this world. That is the greatest fight. That is what we are standing for. And the enemy would love to shut down the blacksmith, shut down the church, shut down your witness, shut down your courage, shut down your generosity, shut down your hospitality, shut down your serving, shut down your hope, shut down your prayer, shut down your devotions, shut down your conviction because an army armed with counterfeit weapons is an army that is no longer a threat but the battle will only be successful if we are equipped with the right tools. And so what are our weapons? Well, the first that comes to mind, as I'm sure that you'll all be aware of, are spiritual disciplines. Reading the word, spending time in prayer, gathering together like this as worship. You know, worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon, and I have a personal conviction in my heart that whenever we gather together like this for worship, that right from the first note, right from the first line, I am all in, that my posture will be fully engaged, that I'll be my hands raised and everything, not because I always feel like it, not because I always want to, but because it is a weapon against my human nature, my human nature that says I'm too tired, I'm too exhausted, this is awkward, I'm not used to this, my human nature that has doubts, that has fears, I fight against that with my body and say, no, he is great and worthy of my praise. It is a weapon. The Bible describes God's word as a sword. Ephesians 6, 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And Hebrews 4, 12, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the truth of who God is and what He says about you and me. In a season of prepare, in a season of stand, in any season, God's word is what equips us. It's what sustains us. It is our weapon, the promises of God that keep us going in the fight. You know, it's the word that reminds us we are his sons and his daughters. It's the word that reminds us we are set free. 
It's the word that reminds us that he is with us. It's the word that tells us we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the word that tells us there is power in our speech. It's the word that tells us there is still hope in the midst of darkness, that there is still a way where there seems no way. It's the word that tells us that he will provide. When the enemy tempted Jesus in the desert, Jesus' response was, it is written. It was his weapon. And it is still our weapon today. Paul the Apostle says in Romans 15.30, Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Join in my struggle. Join in my fight by praying for me. You know, we join the fight through prayer. We join the fight for our families through prayer. We join the fight for those who don't know Jesus through prayer. We join the fight for our city and our nation through prayer. And you know, it's these spiritual disciplines that the enemy is constantly trying to sell us counterfeits to. Offerings that look good, sound good, feel good, maybe the popular option. Things such as Netflix. Disney Plus, online gaming, social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, news websites, news channels, gossip magazines. None of these things are wrong. These are all wonderful things for the most part, but the enemy tries to use these things as alternatives, as counterfeits to the things that God has given us. I don't wanna say that no one should use any of these things. I'm not saying that any of these things are evil. All I'm saying is please be aware of your own disciplines, of your own habits, because the enemy will use any tool he can as a counterfeit to the things of God. A tool to sow pain and brokenness and disorder and division and confusion and hate to distort your perspective on the way that God sees things and to cloud your vision on the way that God sees you and cause you to be ineffective in the battle. If your conviction on what is right or wrong only comes from the news, then you have been sold a counterfeit because all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. If your understanding of what this world desperately needs only comes from headlines, you have been sold a counterfeit because the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. If your understanding of healthy relationships and sexuality only comes from gossip magazines or social media, you have been sold a counterfeit. If your idea of relaxation and restoration only comes from junk food and Netflix and Disney+, Plus, you have been sold a counterfeit. If your perception on money and possessions only comes from a worldly context, you have been sold a counterfeit. The enemy loves to sell us these options as counterfeits to what we truly need. And you know, the Israelites, they turned up to battle with pitchforks, axes, sickles. They're not evil tools. They're not wrong tools. They have a purpose. They're just not designed for battle. But God in His grace has given us everything we need. And our weapons are often not as dramatic or as flashy as we might expect. I love that about God. He so often uses the things that we think are mundane, 
the things that we think are ordinary or perhaps even weak. We saw that last week with David and Goliath. God loves to use the ordinary. And one of the things I've had on my heart recently is hospitality. You know, I reckon hospitality can be a weapon. It can be a weapon. That's why we have welcoming teams, hosting teams. It's why we do things with excellence, why we try and create good looking and comfortable spaces when we do things because we want people to feel welcome here. We want people to feel like they can belong here. We value hospitality and I love the fact that this is such a hospitable church because I believe it is actually a weapon. When we welcome people, when you invite a new person to sit next to you, when you go out of your way to meet someone that you don't recognize, when you invite them to a hangout or at, for your house for lunch, if you ask them to go and have coffee with you in the cafe, you are using the weapon of hospitality to break down walls in people's lives that would stop them from encountering the love of God. You're tearing down strongholds, misconceptions, fear, and providing God with an opportunity to move in their life and potentially impact not just their life today, but also their eternity. And the enemy would love to shut that down, to stop you from being hospitable, stop you from using that weapon. And one of the counterfeits to hospitality is exclusivity. Clicks. Clicky friend groups, exclusive friend groups, when you just have your group of friends, your close circle, and you hang out together, and you have dinners together, and meals together, you do activities together. None of that is wrong, but what is wrong is when no one else is allowed or invited into that. And the reason I say it's counterfeit is because it mimics what true hospitality tries to achieve, but produces a far worse outcome. It mimics it because you still feel good. You still feel welcome. You still feel supported. You still feel like as though you're doing life with people and you can be going along thinking, hey, this is great, this is fantastic. I've got people around me who love me and support me, but it's counterfeit because no one else's life is being changed because no one else is welcome. No one else is being noticed or invited in. And friend groups are natural. They're great. In fact, they are vital. We have to have people around us that we enjoy being with. People who we get along with. People who encourage us and spur us on those life-giving relationships that we protect. But in our fallen nature, as we make those groups, the walls can naturally begin to close. And we can start to become unaware of the people passing us by. But true hospitality is when we can have those groups and still be looking outward. That's the call on the church. We are a group, but we are an outward-focused group. And this can be an incredible weapon for seeing God's kingdom grow. Because the cry of every heart is connection. If the team could join me now, that would be great. Don't settle for the counterfeit. It might look better. It might seem like it would feel better. It might appear to be more popular. It might even seem easier, but it will not be effective in battle. God has way too much in store for you and your future and your family and your community for you to wield counterfeit weapons. And as I come towards the end, you know, the greatest weapon that God has given us is the name of Jesus. 
The greatest weapon we have is the name of Jesus, the greatest name, the most powerful name, the name with all authority, the name with all power, the name above every other name. There is no other name. For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says the stone you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the greatest counterfeit that you could ever be sold by the enemy is a counterfeit to the name of Jesus because he knows that the name of Jesus will be his end. He knows that the name of Jesus means his destruction. And so he will sell you any alternative he can to the name of Jesus, get you to place your trust in anything else but the name of Jesus. He'll give you political leaders. He'll give you parties. He'll give you celebrities. He'll give you governments. He'll give you job titles. He'll sell you social justice issues and causes. He will sell you lifestyles. He will sell you brands. He will sell you anything he can to get your trust and your attention off of the name of Jesus because he knows that we are saved in the name of Jesus. And it is His name that rests on your heart this morning. It is His name that has secured your eternity. It is His name that has made you righteous again and has restored your honour. At the name of Jesus, chains are broken. At the name of Jesus, lives are turned around. At the name of Jesus, miracles take place. At the name of Jesus, hope is found. At the name of Jesus, darkness retreats, demons tremble in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, your family can be renewed. In the name of Jesus, our city can be restored. In the name of Jesus, this nation can have a revival with thousands of people to come to know who God is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me if you're able? You know, we're about to sing that new song again called Every Victory. Every victory. One name, one name holds every victory. One voice that silences the enemy. One King who reigns through all eternity, Jesus, Jesus. And as we sing this, I'm praying and believing there is gonna come a new confidence in you to use your weapons, a confidence to rise up, to stand up, a new courage to turn away from the counterfeits, to pick up your tools. And as we sing this, we're gonna declare the name of Jesus over whatever you're facing right now, whatever is standing before you today, whatever is holding you back, whatever chains are weighing you down, whoever you're believing for today, whatever family member you're believing for today, you're gonna stand for them today. You're gonna stand in the gap. You're gonna stand in the gap for your family. You're gonna stand for this city. You're gonna stand for people who don't yet know God. You're gonna stand for His church. You are gonna stand and proclaim the name of Jesus would be victorious over any situation. Come on, you are going to battle. You are in this fight. You are an army and you're not a fearful army. You're not a weak army. You're not an ill-equipped army, you have God's mighty weapons. He is with you. He is for you. He is on the throne. Come on, we're going to start the blacksmith this morning and declare that Jesus has won every victory. Come on.